Welcome to Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast, where we will learn the history of this beautiful area and hear the stories from the people who live here, love here, and serve here. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Let's go to work. Well, I've always I've always enjoyed serving and, and always wanted to give, um, but it kind of it, it probably softened me a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I was pretty independent and had everything I needed, everything I wanted, um, but that particular occasion I was humbled and had to receive and I just had a different outlook on life at that point figured out what was really important and you know I still get out of balance occasionally um, you have to be reminded and and remember what's truly important we can get caught up in all of the world and I do I get I, I, but um, when it comes right down to it, there's just a few things in this life that matter, and, yeah. and so. I love too that like the experiences that we have are what allow us to relate to other people. You know, like because you've had you know, a traumatic experience like that, it allows you to have compassion and empathy for other people that experience traumatic things. And I know like with, with experiences that I've had in my life at the time, you're like, how am I gonna get through this? You know? Um, and I think anybody can look back and say, the hardest times of our lives actually become like our greatest blessings because it's like those moments where we grow yeah. and we change. And we literally become more like the Savior. Yeah. But like on our easy days, like life's good and it's happy and it's joyful. But I don't know that those are the times that we're really being refined and and becoming more like the Savior. It's in those experiences that they change us. Yeah. They make us softer. They make us more compassionate. They make us more empathetic. So I'm so grateful that you that you shared that story with our listeners, um, kind of on that same note, how do you feel like you hear the voice of the Lord? How have you come to know how he speaks to you specifically? Well, I've never really considered myself a real spiritual person. Um, That's actually really funny <laughs> because you are. So it's funny. You don't think you are. I don't think I am. I think I'm a heathen. It's like, I mean, um, you know, the Lord usually speaks to me just oftentimes it'll be driving down the road and I'll be listening to a song or I'll be listening or talking on the phone or something and impressions will, will come to my mind that will lead me to, to think of something or feel something that oftentimes is an answer to a question or an answer to a prayer that I have, 
Um, and, and even I, you know, sometimes it's through other people. Um, I, I, I don't really consider myself a, a real spiritual person, but I, I do know that when he talks that I have to pay attention. Mm. Um, but it's usually just impressions that come to my mind or thoughts that come to my mind that lead me to answers. Do you feel like you've learned over time? Um, I know that a lot of people would say, I don't know if this is like my mind or if it's the spirit. Like that, that's such a hard, a hard thing to know or learn or, you know, develop. What is something that you've implemented that you're like, I know that was the spirit. Like, what, is there something that you're just like, no, I'm going to act on any thought that comes into my head or how have you kind of discerned that over the years? Usually it's, I mean, I would say 99% of the time it's the first impression or the first inkling of what you have is usually what you're supposed to do. And then I think human nature, we end up processing it and thinking it through and thinking, is it me or is it them or is it... Mm. Um, but I honestly think that usually your first impression of, of a situation or um, that's usually the right thing that you're supposed to do. Um, and then we tend to break it down and start to play head games with ourselves and think that it's maybe something different. Um, so I w I've learned that oftentimes that first prompting and that first inkling, you need to act on that. Um, and I haven't always acted on that. I've, I've waited and then ended up later figuring out that I should have acted on that earlier. Um, but I think that's, you know, it's probably the, the spirit, the Holy Ghost teaching and testifying of the truth right then. And then us human people tend to try and think differently. Yeah. We tend to like question. Question it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Um, kind of along that, that same question, obviously in order for us to like receive promptings from the Holy Ghost, um, we, we do need to be in tune with the spirit. So what are some kind of habits or non-negotiables that you've had in your life that have kept you close to the Lord or that you continue to do that keeps you close to the Lord so that you can receive, um, impressions and guidance? Um, I've never, I've never had a problem living just the basic principles of the gospel. And when I say that, it's just be honest, love people, um, live the word of wisdom, pay your tithing. The basic principles of the gospel, have faith, um, keep your, uh, live your covenants. Those things will ultimately... That's the foundation of everything, and it builds upon that. And when you when you live the basic principles of the gospel, all kinds of blessings come come your way. And those are kind of like non-negotiable. Um, just be a good person, live the covenants, live the basic principles, and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, I, I love that so much. Uh, obviously. Um, you love people. That's very, that's very evident. Um, 
and you developed a lot of talents over the years in just being able to serve. So tell, tell me a little bit about just your leadership journey. You said in 2006, you were, you were in a bishopric. Yeah, I was, I was called to be second counselor in the 19th ward in 2002, um, Bishop Dunstan. Okay. Um, and I was called to be a second counselor. And then in 2004, Bishop Dunstan was released and Bishop Hill was called to be the bishop and he called me to be his first counselor. And so I served with Bishop Hill, um, let's see, from 2004 to 2008. And then in 2008, I was called to be in the high council and I served in the high council uh, under President Shepherd in 2008 until 2010, and then in 2010 I was called to be the bishop of the of the 19th ward, and I served as the bishop from 2010 to 2016. Um, and then after that, the very day that I was released as the bishop, I was called to be the stake young men's president. In fact, our we were in the high council room and we received our release from President Isaac, President Lundell, and President Bennett. And our wives were there and they said, okay, everybody's good, but Bishop and Amy, we need you to stick around. And I was like, are you kidding me? I just, and uh, it was only five minutes after being officially released as the Bishop that they called me to serve as the state young men's president. And so I literally had like one week of of being off, if you will, and people would, you know, they'd say, "What are you gonna do with all your spare time?" And what are you gonna? And I was like, "Well, in two weeks at state conference, I'm gonna be called to be the state young men's president." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I couldn't say that because it wasn't official yet. And so, uh, from 2016 till 2019, I served as the state young men's president and loved that. It allowed me to get to know a lot more people in the stake and serve um, with a lot of good men in, uh, in a calling that I ultimately love, which is the young men and, and the youth. And, and then in 2019, when they made the announcement that the, the young men's, stake young men's president would also be a high counselor, um, and I wasn't in the high council, I was serving as the state young men's president and Bishop Rendlesbacher was the high counselor over young men's mm -hmm. at the time. And so we worked together and he, he was called to be the new state young men's president and he called me to be his first counselor in the state young men's president. So really nothing changed other than our titles changed. He became the state young men's president and the high counselor and I became his first counselor and we served together from uh, 2019 to 2022. Um, and then I was called in September of 2022, I was called to be a, a bishop at, at BYU in the YSA uh, 250th Ward. And Amy and I loved that for the six weeks that I was this YSA <laughs> bishop. Um, and then I got a call from President Isaac in October saying that they, they had just been informed that there was a, gonna be a 
leadership change in the in November um, state conference, and that they would like me to be interviewed by Elder Nash, Marcus B. Nash, um, for you know for the state presidency. And at the time, I was like, sure. I just got this new gig in Provo. Like, they're not going to pick me. I'm, I'm in Provo. Yeah, I'm just six weeks into my new calling, and we were loving it. Um, Amy and I had just gotten to be comfortable with it, and we started to get to know all of the young single adults, and we'd had them in our home, and we'd got Monday night family home evenings going, and, and Bishop Renolfson and Jana and Justin Stewart and Jill, they were my counselors, and we were just having a ball. Um and thought, you know, I can do this for three years. This is this is great. And then in November of 2021, I guess, was when I was called to be the state president. And So do they, and maybe you, and you don't have to, like, I don't know if you can or cannot share this. So when they interview you for the state presidency, do they interview you and then interview you and then call you, or do they tell you on the spot? Um, how, what is that process? It all happens on the same weekend. The, the general authorities come on a Saturday morning, and they typically interview twenty-five or thirty men. Oh wow! Um, usually, it's the high council, the current high council, the current bishops, and then some other men that that the current state presidency recommends. And so I don't know exactly how many men were interviewed that weekend, but um, I was interviewed on Saturday afternoon and it was about a, maybe a 10 minute interview at the most. Um, and then I left and thought, well, okay, I'm done with that. And then about 5.30 that evening I was called and asked to come back for a second interview and to bring my wife with me at this uh, this one and did you know at that point I didn't I started to have inklings and feel you know that something was going on it was it was interesting because I'll never forget it I was out in the backyard raking the leaves in November, you got leaves to rake and stuff. And Amy was serving in the Relief Society of the 19th Ward Presidency. And they had a four o'clock leadership session. And I was not in the leadership of the stake. I was serving as a bishop at BYU. So I didn't attend that leadership meeting, but I came home and Amy and I had decided that she was gonna go to the leadership meeting from four to six and I would finish raking the leaves and then she would come home, we'd go and grab a bite to eat and go back to the seven o'clock adult session. And that was the plan. And so Amy got over to the four o'clock session and texted me and said that there's not any general authorities here. There, it's just the state presidency here and Elder Nash and Elder Barlow aren't in this meeting. And I, well, I just interviewed with them a couple of hours ago, so I know that they're here and assumed that the reason they weren't in the four o'clock meeting was because they were calling a new stake president. And, and then about 4.30, she texted and said that, that they had just come in and joined this 
um, stake Prentzi on the stand and everything was great. And um, so I thought, well, okay, they, you know, they were late. They called the new stake president and that's why they hadn't been on the stand for the beginning of the meeting. And then at 5.30 when I got the text to come back, I thought, well, you know, the new stake president's been called and maybe I'm a first counselor or something like that, a counselor in the state presidency. And so um, they asked, uh, Dwight Lydiard was the executive secretary, who is still my executive secretary. Uh, he just said, can you be over here in 20 minutes and just go right to the state president's office and bring your wife. And I thought, well, Amy's already over there, but sure, I'll, I'll come over and I'll text Amy and tell Amy as soon as the meeting's over just to come directly to the stake offices. And so when I got over there and went right into the stake office and was just sitting there, I had a pretty good feeling of what was going on. And Amy came in with this look on her face as well, and she pretty much knew what was going on. Um, and then Elder Nash and Elder Barlow came off the stand from the from the meeting and came into the office and shut the door. And that's when I was called to be the, the stake president. And um, it was an overwhelming, it's not something I, I was seeking or anything that I even thought was gonna happen. Um, but Elder Nash called me to be the stake president. And as I mentioned earlier, when I had that experience in 2006, I'll do whatever I'm called and asked to do. And so I accepted that, that call and told them that I would do the best I could, even though I didn't really want, want to, um, because I, I just felt inadequate and not the, like I'm the, I'm not the guy. There are so many other men that could do a better job than than I could as a stake president. But uh, I just committed, and and uh, I'll serve as long as I have to serve because of that. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've gotten to know a lot of people, and and uh, that I didn't know. And even even today, I still think I'm not. I'm really not that uh, the guy that should be the state president, but I am, and it's it's a humbling experience. It's an awesome experience. So many good things and so many good people, and just uh, a blessing in my life to be able to serve and give and do those things that that I get to do as the as the state president. Mm -hmm. so. Kind of under that that jurisdiction, um, just for listeners. Um, that maybe are kind of wanting to come back to church um, but maybe don't have the courage or feel unworthy as one who holds the priesthood keys for our stake or any stake regardless of where these listeners are at um, what advice would you give to those people? Just to come back that uh... There's not anything that you've done in your life that you can't repent of. And you need the blessings of, of the gospel and just come back. And you can be forgiven for anything. Uh, that your relationship with your Savior is, 
is personal and just come back and people will love you and wrap their arms around you to, to have you come back. I love that. That is so true. That is so true. Um, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm going to switch over kind of more personal, mainly for your family. Um, two things. What would you want your family to know? If you were gone tomorrow, what would you want them to know? And then what would be your best piece of advice for your grandkids, great grandkids, and many generations to come? What would you want to leave them with? Uh, I just wanted to know that I love them and that uh, families are eternal. And I'm thankful that, uh, that we have an eternal family. I'd want them to know to just be themselves and to be real and to do your best, be honest, um, and just love people, and then I love them. That's right out of the words of Grandpa Dort. Yeah. That's what your new title is going to be in just a few <laughs> short months. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. This is, so this is a little different. Usually, I ask one last question, which is, what do you hope for Lakeshore in the next 10 years? But, um, because you don't necessarily live in Lakeshore, I'm gonna ask you a little bit different question to end our conversation today, which is, what do you hope for the Spanish Fork West Stake in the next, let's see, you've only been in since 2021, so you've got at least another, what, seven years or something? <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I, I always use the analogy of baseball because that's what I, I love. And typically, state presidents serve for nine years or so. And so I usually say I'm in the second inning of a nine-inning ball game. <laughs> okay, so, so so what do you hope for the Spanish work West stake in the next seven innings? <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of growth that's going to take place down on the south end of our stake in the Leland, in the Leland area. Um, so that's on my mind of how we manage that. Um, we're certainly looking at that right now and trying to figure out how that looks in seven years. Uh, we could potentially have a whole other stake down there if, if all of the homes come that are planned and um, out there. So that could be you know, that could be a change. We could have another building um, down there in the Leland area where the, where, uh, the church owns property. So that, that could change things. But um, I just hope that over the next seven years that the members of the, of the West Stake know that their stake presidency loves them and that we want the best for them and that there's nothing that, that they've done that would stop them from being a... a welcomed in, in, the, in the wards, that uh, they're living on, they're progressing on the covenant path and living those things. Uh, in state conference, we just recently in March came out with stake vision about keeping on or getting on the path, which aligns with what President Nelson has asked us to do. And I hope that uh, members of the stake are on the path or getting on the path and doing those things that would allow them to to the, complete the next ordinance or the next covenant that they need to be, whether it be baptism or 
eternal marriage. We're all at different stages and different steps on the path, but that we're all progressing and doing the right things that will allow us to make that next step along the path. And that uh, we'll be there to help them and support them and, and love them and do what we can to help them take that next step uh, as they progress down that path. Wow. Anyone that's wondering, if you're listening, if you're like, should I come back? Should I keep going? What should I do? The answer is yes. I think everybody has felt your love through this podcast. We could talk for hours, just soaking in your advice and your experience and your love, not only for the gospel and for the Savior, but for the people that you're serving. That It is so apparent, and I appreciate that. And Brady and I sustain you as our stake president, and we love you so much. If you did hear Val Kofed's podcast, what he hoped for Lakeshore in the next 10 years. A new building. With a new building. Yeah, I heard so that. So you know what? I'm, pl- I'm making a plug for Val Kofed right now that the Spanish work was stake in the next seven years. <laughs> Gets a new, a new building? How about let's start with a new well? They'll get a new well in the Lakeshore building. Deal. You know what? We'll start there. And a new roof on the Main Street building. There we go. I can promise you that they'll get those two things. Okay, deal. Deal. Well, I appreciate you being on our podcast today. Thank you so much. Um, To our listeners, thank you for being here. This is Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast. Until next time, have a great week. Wow. What a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the next installment of Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Until next time, keep up the good work.